Um, welcome to Project Echo. This is the University of Melbourne Hub Adolescent Mental Health Network Series 2, Session 5. And I'd like to acknowledge the support of the Victorian Government in the production of this series. It's Tuesday, the 5th of October, 2021. And um, welcome back to our Echo Network after a break. Uh, this session's titled Teens, Families and Relationships. And um, throughout our Echo Series, we've maintained a focus on the young person's presenting issues in the context of their families. In our case-based discussions, we've evaluated these important relationships, both as predisposing, precipitating and perpetuating factors in mental health presentations, and as protective factors for intervention and recovery. In this session, we'll take a deeper dive into the themes of caregiving and harm and consider some useful frameworks through which to better understand how to work with natural supports and where professional services may play a role. And as always, we'll consider how to put some of the principles into practice through our case-based discussions. But before we move into these conversations, I'd like to start by making an acknowledgement to country. We are going to be looking at and thinking about the young people that we meet and their families and what might be going on. And sometimes uh, we meet young people where there is conflict, there may be family violence. How do we begin to think about that, what might be some of the warning signs or what are the ways that we might begin to explore that with a young person or with a family member. Oops. Hmm. So thinking about it from a young person's perspective, because that's usually who you're seeing, um, what is it? that would make things feel okay for them? And what is it that that is the underlying difficulty? Is it issues of conflict? Is it issues of safety? Is it adequacy of care that is the concern? And are we trying to think about helping a young person be safe? Are we thinking about mental health supports? Are we thinking about perhaps practical supports in clothes, food, etc. It's important for us to have a, a way of thinking about this continuum of care when it comes to parenting from the good enough parent or the parent who is struggling with their own difficulty and then moving into things that well, we have concerns around emotional abuse or neglect or other forms of abuse. And we are balancing that removal of children has also has risks, removal from their homes and their communities, and that that too has potential harm. And so our task collectively is trying to think about how can we support parents, caregivers, families to manage better. This is a way of, of unpacking that a little bit more and trying to conceptualise the level of family functioning. And we're coming at it from the family or the parent's ability to meet the needs of the child and young person and respond to the problems and the crises that happen in all families. So just working our way through these boxes, we begin with, a family or parents that we think are 
managing adequately. They meet their children's needs, they have a whole range of skills and resources, and they're managing to solve problems, whatever those problems are. May involve services or not. We move to families that we view as vulnerable in a crisis. So here, most of the time, the family functions well and adequately, and then the family faces something unusual and a crisis that is overwhelming. And we might conceptualise this family as requiring some temporary help um, until they are really back on their feet again. And potentially, some of the families that we're meeting in this very strange time of COVID and lockdown may be some of these families, this unusual crisis. The next uh, uh, level may be families where we can see that there are multiple problems and multiple layers of disadvantage. And here there is a whole range of skills training or therapy or supports, and the supports need to stay in place longer for this kind of a family. And then again, but it is, the expectation is the family will be able to function independently um, at a point in time in the future. So this notion of restorable. Uh, the next along the line is a family where we are perceiving that it's not going to be possible for the family to meet the needs of the children um, independently. And so here services are going to need to be around to support this family. And this may be you're wondering, well, what would that situation be? Perhaps having a mother with an intellectual disability, um, perhaps having a mother with other kinds of of ongoing mental health problems that may that means that support is required really until we view the children as being able to be uh, old enough to function on their own. And last of all, um, we really do not ever want to get here if we can help it, is this idea of no, it is not possible for this family to meet the needs of these children now or in the future, and really that has us thinking about is there a need to remove these children from, um, the, from parental care? And, of course, people sit somewhere on that continuum. The point really is with or without um, services and supports involved, can the family function to meet the needs of the child, the physical, emotional, economic needs um, that are required. And then that brings us to thinking about, well, what kinds of levels of intervention might parents need, parents on that continuum? Perhaps it is a question of parental education where the parents need some new information and can take that information and go with that. Perhaps it is short-term counselling where it's more than just providing information. It's looking at 
problem solving. It's looking at thinking about different perspectives. But again, it is possible for that parent to take on that information. The next level may be um, where the intervention is at the level of parent-child work to help a parent use information to help a parent see and practice how they might change their uh, approach or how they might integrate information. It has to be very much a more hands-on approach. And then there is where a parent needs their own help, independent of their children. Um, they need to be able to have a separate space to think about what is happening for them from the point of view of their mental health. Now, these things, of course, are not mutually exclusive. They can, various of these can occur at the same time. Um, we, Bianca talked about, over the course of these series, we've been thinking about the four Ps and how when we're thinking about a young person and family functioning, how do we begin to recognise patterns or presentation that might indicate that we need to follow this up a bit more? The young person is presenting with a range of difficulties of distress or anxiety, depression, self-harm, disruptive behaviours, eating disorder, and there is a sense of, well, what is it that might be happening at home um, that is contributing? And so, you know, the what is happening right now? Is it about uh, mental health difficulties? Is it around drug and alcohol problems in the family? Is it to do with the stresses of lockdown or financial pressures or carer burden or the young person's move into adolescence and that um, making it more difficult or indeed the young person's mental health problems or behavioural problems. And when we think about the now, the, or the precipitating problem, it also has us thinking about, well, are there particular groups that we need to think of in terms of predisposing where the statistics tell us there may be more difficulties. And here we think about Indigenous families um, and their struggles. We think about young people who are coming from the LGBTIQA plus community or rural and remote communities and isolation and lack of services or poorer communities. Again, lack of greater support and the intersectionality of all of the above and the impact of intergenerational trauma. And when we move to, so what keeps these difficulties going, even when there are potentially supports in place? And they are um, some very common things of inadequate or unstable housing or not having ongoing supports within the family's uh, own um, resources, or families that for whatever reason are not able to engage with supports or not able to really take the information and somehow integrate it and change in order to support the young person. Always we think about what is protective in this family, what is protective with these caregivers. Here we see 
caregivers who really are invested, who want help and who want help for their young person, um, a caregiver who recognises that they themselves struggle, a uh, support services that are very much involved, and indeed when you hear that there are others who can support this family unit. Now, what happens at the level of you as um, professionals working within the doctors in schools, doctors and nurses in schools? Where do you sit with thinking about family or partner violence? And I say partner because sometimes we meet young people where it's in their intimate relationships that things are going wrong rather than in their family of origin. And sometimes, of course, we begin to understand that it's the young person themselves who is engaging in violence in some way. And we step through how do we inquire sensitively about this area? How do we support a young person, a family? How do we think about the area of risk uh, and thinking about that continuum in a family's ability to care for a young person? What kind of safety plans and what kind of follow-up might be required? And here we need sometimes to bring a range of other people to assist um, you in your setting of the doctors in schools. So who do you consult with? Where might you refer? Who is there to collaborate with? the need to carefully document information and carefully and appropriately share it. So this question of inquiry, what kinds of questions or how do you begin this conversation with a young person or sometimes you might be speaking with a family member um, and you're trying to follow up what might be going on? So... Um, again, I'm sure all of you will have your own way of starting these conversations and inquire, but here are some thoughts. How are things going at home right now for you? How are you going with the extra stress of, you know, lockdown, isolation, studying from home? You seem worried. Is there anything else that you'd like to discuss? Sometimes when things are stressful at home, it may actually lead to a lot of conflict and maybe even to some violent reactions. Has anything happened like that? And it might lead you to ask, do you feel okay at home? Do you feel safe? Are you afraid of anybody at home? And again, um, depending on the kind of responses and where those conversations go, you might reflect back to someone. I am concerned about you because, and, you know, because might be, it sounds like things are very volatile at home. It sounds like maybe sometimes you don't feel safe at home. Um, and, again, further inquiry into, you know, this acronym ACTS of are you afraid? Are you controlled in some way? 
Are you being threatened or hurt or indeed has this already happened to you um, in your relationships? And these things, of course, this is not static and sometimes um, it requires maybe these inquiries occurring over um, several visits to unpack this. Again, what is it? How do you, what's important when people disclose uh, that something is distressing, something is not right in their relationships, be they intimate relationships or relationships with family members? The importance to listen with empathy and to suspend judgment. The importance to inquire about what. What does this person need right now or what are their most pressing concerns? Again, the importance to validate a person's experience by statements like, I can see that must be very difficult or that is a very tricky situation that you are in and conveying that you believe what this person is telling you. And sometimes you are the first person that somebody has disclosed sensitive information about what happens in their family. And we move from there to thinking about immediate safety. Is this young person okay? Is this family member okay? And what do we need to do to support them both if they're not okay right now or indeed um, additional services that might be helpful. This is a super busy slide and it's not about the detail. I have put it up because it is a model that Berry Street uses when they're thinking about children and young people and how they go about um, making decisions about what kind of supports do families and young people need? And they work their way through um, those key decision-making questions of are the problems that the child is presenting, are they indeed symptoms of trauma and their distress? Is it about what is happening in the family? Does it, does it reflect the impact of family violence and how, you know, how recent is this family violence and what kinds of interventions are required and always moving to thinking about what are the strengths in this family, how can this family act protectively, but also sometimes what might be the things that are getting in the way. And here there are a whole range of inquiries that looks at the child and the parents and the family's functioning and over time. And an inquiry about how ready is this family to be able to look at therapeutic interventions? Is, are they at that point or really there are other things that take priority? like safety, stable housing, you know, economic stability, et cetera, before we can get to therapeutically what might need to happen. So it's just a model to take you through of what might happen with some of the 
services that are used to working from a trauma background and are used to um, thinking about family violence and how to support children and families.